You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur. We're coming into a new podcast today with uh, Navina Narada. And um, he's been in ISKCON for about 40 years, um, Radhanath uh, Swami disciple, and um, originally from Switzerland, and has lived a full life before and after coming to the Hare Krishna movement. Um, today, we're going to focus uh, mostly on one of his specialties, um, and it's just one of his specialties, but he gives classes in it, and he's quite educated in it. We're going to have um, Navina Narada discuss the importance of the books that Srila Prabhupada wrote and the importance of people from time to time taking those books and getting them into the hands of other people. Not necessarily doing street book distribution or in a store distribution, but at your home having some books that you could offer to people or maybe even sell to people from time to time so there's some value attached to them. So, Prabhu, please take it from here. Thank you, Nityananda. So, I've been involved with the distribution of Srila Prabhupada's books for the past four decades. When I was in Pune recently, I met a man in his, in his 80s, and he told me that he was at a high school reunion with a few survivors that are still going. And as part of that reunion, he gave everybody a gift of Bhagavad Gita as it is. Two weeks later, he got a phone call from one of his old friends. And the friend told him, I'm very angry and very upset with you. And he said, well, why? And he said, how long have we known each other? Must have been about 60 plus years. And why did you wait so long before you gave me that book? And the man said, look, I only got that book a few years ago myself and I had to first read it and understand it. And that's why it took that long before I gave it to you. So better late than never, as they say. As you were pointing out, the venue where we distribute books or where we share the message of the Bhagavad Gita is a detail. The principle is sharing knowledge. Right now the world is suffering from ignorance. Now, whether you're on the left side or on the right side of the spectrum, they're both two wings of the same bird. The bird is called ignorance. So the world is not black and white or blue or red, but there's all different shapes and forms and colors out there. And the antidote, the remedy to the suffering and despair and plight that we are facing is knowledge. In fact, not mundane knowledge, but transcendental knowledge. Because this universe is a closed circuit. Everything that we see here is mixtures of red, blue, and yellow. Goodness, passion, and ignorance in the 8,400,000 different species, the different experiences that we have. It's a closed circuit. It's a closed universe. So if we want to change the script, we need some information that comes from outside of this universe. And that's where the Bhagavad Gita comes in because Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita in order to give us, give us a route map how we can actually find our way out of this mess that we gotten ourselves into. Mm. 
just like Krishna says something, because marginal in the Gita, he says that if you're balanced, if you're moderate in your eating, in your sleeping, in your working, and in your recreation, you will actually not experience the sufferings of this world. Now, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So balance is the key message, the key concept of the Bhagavad Gita. And any person who opens up the Gita and reads on any page will get that idea. And that's why it's so important that we not only read these books ourselves, but that we also try to share them with others. Because the more you give, the more you get. The fastest way to learn something is by teaching it. Because people will ask you all kinds of questions. And that forces us to go back and go a little deeper and start digging and understanding, not just memorizing. Because memorization is the lowest form of learning. A couple of months ago, I was down in Miami on uh, South Beach in front of a pharmacy. And there was a middle-aged woman who came out of the store and she was yelling at her phone. Have you ever seen somebody who's yelling at their phone? It's kind of funny, isn't it? It's ironic because what's the poor phone done to, to deserve being yelled at? And so she was just going at it. And I had two choices to either avoid her, avoid her or, or to start talking to her. And I chose the latter because that's who I am. So I went up to her and just tried to make conversation and asked her whether her mind is her best friend or her worst enemy whether she's feeling mindful or mindless at the moment. And after a while, she stopped screaming and yelling at the phone. And she said, I'm so angry, I could, I could scream and yell at the whole world. I said, yeah, I, I believe you. I, I believe you do. And she said, but keep talking, it's working. So we had a conversation and she was happy to receive the Bhagavad Gita. And at the end, as our parting, as we were parting, I was telling her, look, most of the things in this world, we cannot change them. But the way how we respond to them, that's always in our power. That's something that we do can have an influence upon. And she looked at me and she actually got it. So she, really had that moment, that little epiphany. So it came to her. It came to her, yeah. And, and the coin dropped. And she was a changed person. She walked away with a smile. Quite different from the person that I had found a couple of moments earlier. In January of 96, I was in Novosibirsk, Siberia. And it was minus 35 degrees. Celsius or Fahrenheit, it's pretty much the same. It's very similar. Very cold. It's as cold that if you spit, it, it turns into ice before it hits the ground. That's cold. It's that cold. And I uh, was there for a training session. We had a seminar. And one person shared the story how they were sharing the message of the Bhagavad Gita in a city in Siberia. And... They met a person, and that person was also distributing Bhagavad Gita's. And so my friend, he got a little curious because he didn't know that fellow. He said, you know, I'm from this town, like uh, Prabhu, from which temple are you? And he said, 
I don't know any temple and I don't know any Prabhu. So then he said, well, 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 who are you? And, and how come you got Bhagavad Gita's and you're distributing them, but you don't know about a temple? So that man said, look, it's like this. Two years ago, I bought this Bhagavad Gita here on the same street. And I read it. And it's the best book I ever read in my life. And at the end of the book, God, Krishna, he says, if you want to become dear to me, you have to give this knowledge to other people. So what he did was he went to a Xerox shop and he had a hundred copies Xerox copy. And he went out on the same street giving these books to people. And he said, by the way, you can give a little donation. You know, it cost me this much to Xerox copy this book. Now I have a doubt. Actually, I have many doubts, you know, because uh, as you know, doubting is the sign of intelligence. So because I have many doubts, I must be smart, right? So jokes aside, one of my major doubts is what if we also become a little too self-absorbed, a little too comfortable, a little too complacent, a little too indulged, and we also lose it. Like so many spiritual groups and religions and movement, they started out pretty radical and they started out pretty front cutting edge. And then as they went from unorganized religion to organized religion, there was a shift and something happened and many of them lost their plot. They lost the edge. So what if the same thing happens to us? And history tends to repeat itself. So when I hear stories like this, I'm convinced that even if we, those who are listening to this podcast and those who are not, even if we all lose it, so to speak, and become, we wimp out, we just lose the plot. Somewhere in Siberia, somewhere in Patagonia, somewhere in the Sahel Desert, somewhere on a Greek island, somebody will find a Bhagavad Gita as it is and will read it and will say, you know what? This is it. I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to give this knowledge to other people. So that is a source of inspiration for me. So I feel very privileged that I've been able to travel and to meet people of all walks of life and talk to them about what they're going through and experiencing that change when a person is totally cut up in their own script and somehow by you can say a random act of kindness they get touched by the message of the Bhagavad Gita and they walk they walk away a different person so, so what what you're really saying is for all the average devotees around the world Krishna devotees around the world that are not book distributors and have no engagement in book distributing they will feel much better about themselves getting other people to hold this knowledge in their hand and read it themselves. Just the act of getting those books to other people makes people feel better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and one main advantage is that you can only give what you got. So first, you, you got to get the books. And I don't mean just physically because ordering them is one thing. But then also, if I'm not reading and I'm not really into it, 
then I'm kind of a hypocrite. I'll, I'll be just preaching something and shooting blanks at people. So unless I actually open the book and I stick my nose in it and, and I try to absorb at least one verse a day, I'm kind of, you know, one of those people that I tried to avoid when I was a teenager. So it really puts the onus, it really puts the burden of proof on me that I try to work on myself. I have a friend in New York, he drives a cab and he's always got a box of books with him. And he just strikes up conversations with people because many people, they like to talk, especially when they're in a cab and they know I'm not going to see this guy again for the rest of my life. So might as well have a conversation and, you know, they're ready to share a couple of, a couple of secrets and something that they're going through. And they're very happy to receive one of Prabhupada's books. And he says, I have a jar there. So whenever I get tips, I put it in the jar. And whenever my box of books is empty, my jar is full. And I order the next box of books. So that's one way how to do it. There are other ways, of course. I've also seen that friends who go out and do chanting because we like chanting Hare Krishna. There's nothing more fun than to go out and chant Hare Krishna. And especially if you bring your friends and you have a little outing and you can do that in any venue, in any situation, the public always responds very favorable because if you see people singing and dancing, it's nice, it's fun. You, you, yeah, exactly. You see, hey, this is what life is supposed to be like, right? Exactly. That's what kids do. I yeah, mean, yeah. They, they dance and we call it screaming. They right. call it singing. <laughs> <laughs> but they're having a ball. They're having fun. So I was in uh, Berkeley, California on Telegraph, just where Telegraph Ave meets the campus. And I was sharing the message with students there. And uh, as I talked to one young gentleman, he said, you already asked me yesterday. And I said, how can I tell? You got a mask on, you know? <laughs> so, so how can I? You all look the same, you know, <laughs> with the mask on. So he pulled down his mask and he had a big beard. And he said, I'm a Muslim, but you are glowing. I want what you have. <laughs> and I said, well, here it is. Take it. It's for you, you know? And, and we had a heart to heart because, you see, nobody has a monopoly on, on ignorance or or in self-righteousness, everyone is going through the same stuff. We're all in the same boat. And unless we try to help each other to become a little more in touch with the spiritual dimension, with the spiritual reality that is being presented to us in a very direct and in a very accessible format, then we're just going to be running around in circles chasing our own tail. And yeah. that can happen to anyone. That the time is click ticking and we are asking ourselves, is this it? Is this all I'm going to get this life? Or is there more to the story? So for me, sharing this message has been very exciting because I get a lot of feedback. I get a lot of positivity. I also get a lot of reflections and homework on my own part where I feel I need to grow. I have to 
develop and go deeper in my own practice. So this has been very rewarding and it's kept me going. Well, you know, worldwide, the Hare Krishnas, we have a very large congregation globally, not counting the what would be called rank and file devotees, but we have a very large congregation. And many of the members of our congregation have Srila Prabhupada's books, maybe one, maybe a whole collection. What can you tell the average congregational member who's never sold a book or done any book distribution, what can you tell them about overcoming the fear of having a few books that they bought for sale in their own home because they all have friends who come over. They have family who comes over. They have dinner at their house. They have friends who stop by that are not congregational members. What can you tell our congregational members about getting a few books and overcoming that difficulty of, I'd like you to buy this book from me, or I'd like to give you this book? What can you tell them about that? Well, as a first, whatever, whatever we value is very easy to share with others. If you like food, a certain food item, or you like a certain song, or you like something that you like, it's very easy to share that with others. So when I have appreciation, whatever pre you appreciate, appreciates. And naturally, that wears, you know, that, that, that just naturally transmit to others. So it's a, it's a natural process. Now, of course, we know public speaking and, and fear of rejection, those two fears are way up there on the, on the list of fear. So instead of trying to sell a book, just give it as a gift. That makes it much easier. Most people in the civilized world won't refuse a gift. I was at the, at the Mumbai airport, just about to board a flight in a line, and behind me was an American businessman in a suit, and he looked at me, and I was dressed with traditional robes, and he said, what are you trying to do? You're trying to be a monk or what? And I. I turned around and I said, yeah, I've been trying for 30 years and it's, you know, it's not that easy. And I pulled out a Bhagavad Gita and I said, and it's all explained in here. This is a gift for you. And, and he was shocked because he said something a little, uh, a Aggress little aggressive. aggressive yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and being a loud American, that's, you know, Yes. permissible mm -hmm. in certain parts of the world. So, and then he gets a gift. So he was a little speechless. He was a little startled. So as that was happening, the lady just took up the mic. So I know I got, I got 10, maximum 20 seconds before this line gets moving. So this got to be quick. So he, 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 he was speechless. So he said, uh, can I give you something? And I said, you know, Normally, we don't take anything. But for you, I'll make an exception. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> and, and, and he said, well, how much do people give? And now the, the heat was on him. You know? <laughs> and I said, well, some people give everything they got. I mean, some people give their life. <laughs> well, if you're not ready to do that, then why don't you give a million? <laughs> so we both started laughing. She announced the flight. And I just say, give whatever. And he, he, he handed me. 
uh, a kind donation and, and we both went uh, on the same flight. So life can be exciting. If you want to have some excitement in your life, I know not everyone is looking for excitement, but I guarantee you, money back guarantee from this podcast, if we step out of comfort zone, then that unknown will become our new comfort zone. We'll actually grow. We grow by giving. Like I'm sure all of you have experienced that when you give, when you give a contribution, when you make a sacrifice, when you give a donation, when you make that act of extending yourself, although physically it seems like we lost something. We gave some money away, we gave a book away, we gave some time to someone else, but actually by that act of giving, we grow. And that's the experience we would like each and every person to have. We were up in Rishikesh with a group of friends chanting and dancing Hare Krishna and doing what we do. And there was a beggar, a professional beggar, not a sadhu, not a saintly person, but it was his job. So he sat there looking all morose and he had his little metal cup there and he was sitting on the steps. And after about 10 minutes of watching us, he decided that it's a little boring being a beggar. So he took that cup, put it in his shirt pocket and came down and started dancing with us. <laughs> After another five or seven minutes, he started dancing very exuberantly and really showing off. Yeah. And another five minutes of that, he took a whole wad of money out of his shirt pocket and he waved it around and he showed to everybody and he started putting money into the pockets of all the devotees who were chanting and dancing there. And he was showing everybody I'm not a beggar. I'm not a poor person. I'm a giver. I'm a generous person. So, by giving people the chance to make a contribution, it's not that we need their money. We don't need their money. But by giving them the chance, the opportunity to make a contribution, we give them the chance to actually grow by giving and to experience the generosity and the wealth of being part of this exchange. I think that's something that our congregational members and our devotees around the world would also feel because you've, you've got the experience of spiritual growth yourself through having people take these books and come back to you and ask questions and thank you for them. And I think this is an experience that both of us would like to see our congregational members and our regular devotees around the world involve themselves in a little bit more of what Iskon calls book distribution. Absolutely. But it's actually, I've got some books here in my house downstairs, and sometimes people come and I give them away, or I'll take a donation for them. And it's, it's spiritual growth because a conversation will then take place that wasn't going to take place before. And you've had the experience about that. Can you tell us some of the experiences you've had from people coming up to you and, and then coming, maybe coming back to you and not only thanking you, but saying, oh my gosh, I've had some realizations. Yeah, this is a, this is a regular occurrence where people come back the next day, sometimes years after that. And many of them, we may never see them again. But the sweetest fruits are the trees 
that we plant today whose fruits we'll never eat. So paying it forward and making that investment is, is very important. Oftentimes I meet people who already got a book somewhere and they came to thank me. And I'm like, hey, I didn't do anything, you know, like I, it wasn't me. But they still want to show gratitude. They want to show appreciation. So we are here today having this discussion because Srila Prabhupada, he stayed up every night and wrote six pages. And in this way, he wrote over 60 books. And when he started out in New York, he had no temple, he had no movement. It was him. And he placed books on consignment in a few bookstores. And one lady, she said, are you from India? And he said, yes. So she said, I love Indian food. Prabhupada asked, what do you like? She said, samosa. So the next time he brought samosas for her that he made personally. So why are people so much into social media? Because they want to have friends. They, they want to have that feeling of there is actually some reciprocation. There's something going on here. So by, by putting ourselves out there and being a conduit, being an instrument in the hands of Lord Chaitanya, in, in the hands of higher, higher powers, so to speak. What does it mean to be enthusiastic, entheos? It means to be divinely inspired or divinely empowered or divinely possessed. To be able to say things, to be able to do things, to experience things that are beyond our mundane capacity. It's truly life-changing. It's truly mesmerizing. I was in the University of uh, San Jose, and I was a young student there, and I couldn't figure him out. I couldn't really guess out his story. And usually I'm pretty good at reading people because that's what I do. <laughs> so, so I just couldn't figure him out. And he was kind of very discreet, kind of, it didn't give it away. And I didn't know how to deal with him. I didn't know how to approach him, what to say to him. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, then you have to say a little prayer in your heart mm -hmm. and, and ask for a little help. You tell Krishna, right now would be a good time for a miracle. Yeah. Because I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's that, that moment of truth. I call it the moment of truth. So I didn't know what to say, but I still opened my mouth and started talking because that's who I am. And I looked at him and I said, you are Uyghur. You speak four languages. You speak Uyghur, Chinese, Russian, and English. And the guy said, how the heck did you find me? Now I know nothing about the Uyghur tribe. I've never been there, even though I love them, but I, I'm not aware of who they are and what they do. But it just came to me. And because he was curious, how did you find out who I am? How did you find me? I said, well, you have to read the book, you know? It's all explained in here. So we all, like, as kids, we love to go to the circus because, you know, some people like the elephants, some like the horses, some like, you know, I, I always like the clowns because they do a little bit of magic and they do some fun stuff, right? So if you want to see the magic, and I believe we all do, because what are adults? They're just 
grown-up kids, right? Yeah, exactly. We want to see the magic. Exactly. And that's what people ask me every time. Like, uh, tell me something. Do you got the magic? I was walking on, on South Beach, and there was two businessmen walking there. And they, had, they were wearing all the right stuff. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they looked proper. They had the watches, the suits. They were doing all business talk, Miami. And I wanted to talk to him, but I realized it's kind of impolite. I can't just jump in there like in a tackle, you know, and jam their conversation. So I didn't know what to say. So I just walked up to them and I said, I know. It's hard to be humble when you're six foot three and 53 years old. And one guy looked at me and goes like, do you know me? Do you know who I am? You've been following me? And he really freaked out. And I said, I'm six foot three and I'm 53 years old. I know how you feel. And he, he calmed down, he, he, <laughs> he got it. And, and, uh, and I gave him a big hug. And then, and then I gave him a book and he gave me a contribution and nothing more needed to be said because we had a little heart to heart there because I know what it feels like when you're walking tall and proud and you think like you could, got it figured out and then, and then so many things happen in life that prove to us that I got nothing figured out and I'm not in control at all. So we're all in this together and we're all looking for the way forward and this is a very interesting time that we're living. And how to be an agent of change, how to be part of the solution rather than be part of the problem. That's where we're very blessed, we're very fortunate that Srila Prabhupada came and he brought us these books and he also gave us a movement and the process by which we can apply ourselves to this practice of bhakti, of pure devotional service. And to do this consistently requires a little bit of endeavor, a little bit of uh, sincerity, yet it all, it all comes to us through, through, our, through our individual practice. So personally, when I, got up, when I get up early and I, I read in Prabhupada's books things that are just like I just read, bhakti is the highest form of intimacy. Like, we want to be close. We want to have close friends. We want to experience some intimacy with the people that are near and dear to us. But he says, bhakti is the highest form of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And we realize that through our practice and also when we're sharing this message that everybody out here in this world is, is looking, we're all looking for the same thing. We're looking ultimately how to receive this divine love. And then how to share it with others. So to give a person one of Prabhupada's books is, is a very simple and easy way to do that. And what will come of it? We may never see this person again, or they may respond favorably, or we may have to face some, some rejection or some looks. But this is all part of the growth. This is all, there's no growth without some resistance. Some. Some resistance, yeah. yes. And so this growth process is, is there in this process of sharing Krishna consciousness. And the more we engage in it, the more we also realize that this is a great gift. This is something very unique, something very special. And if I 
if I'm able to just touch one person's life, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said that I'll, I'll give all my temples, I'll give everything to make one person a devotee of Krishna. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, if this podcast ends up getting one more book out into someone else's hands, this half an hour has been well worth it. Please, every day try to read Srila Prabhupada's books, at least read a verse before you head out into the great world and try to make a mark. And you will see that the world is changed by transcendental sound vibration. Like Dhruva Maharaj, he stood in Madhuvan on one leg and he chanted his mantra for six months, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. An entire universe was suffocating, people were choking. I'm not saying you have to go to that extent, <laughs> but the more we practice, our mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And then we share the overflow. Whatever we experience in our own practice, then the overflow, we share it with others. And doing it together with friends, this is Sankirtan, Samyak Kirtan. It's a team sport. It's not just about me, about how good I feel about things, but of trying to be part of something greater and sharing this message with others and then seeing how everyone in this world is looking for the same for the same thing. We're not so different than any other people out there. In fact, we're all part of the same. And I'll leave you with this last little story. I was in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, and we visited the shrine of a Sufi uh, saint. And there was a Sufi person, a Muslim, who was praying there. And me and my friend, we were in, in a pant and shirt, given the fact the environment that we're in. After he finished his prayers, he came over to us and he said, I know you're devotees of Krishna and you're chanting Allah's name. So today, by Allah's grace, is a very fortunate day. Today, I just finished my prayer here. I prayed that may all your spiritual desires be fulfilled. And I would like to invite you to come to my home to, to, have, to, have, to have a meal with me and my family. And I thought, wow, this guy's got it. He's got devotion. He doesn't know us, doesn't know who we are, where we're from, but he's in touch with the internal potency. And we should be able to recognize and to appreciate when we see Krishna's potency in its different forms and varieties and join forces. Everybody wants to see a change. Everybody wants to see an improvement in themselves and in the world. But the macrocosmos can only change if the microcosmos changes. So this is where all of you come in. I'd like you to pick up your phone, order some books, and then share them with others. Give them away as gifts, distribute them, sell them, but most likely, most importantly of all, give yourself this greatest gift on a daily basis and recognize, like that beggar from Rishikesh, we're not poor. We're, we're wealthy. We're givers. We're givers. And that's the message of the day. Thank you for your kind attention. I wish you a great day and a great life. Hare Krishna. Aghosh Prabhupada. Thank you very much, Prabhu. We have attained our goal for this podcast, and I think it's going to fall very favorably upon the ears of many people. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur.